with how is God? Who is God? What's God like? And Jesus used these so that people could understand God. He would use like this one. God is like a child's relationship with his father. Not your earthly father, because some of us have had dysfunctional relationships with our earthly father. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a heavenly, perfect father who loves you deeply. Another, another word picture that Jesus used is he, he's, he's the vine and, and we are the branches. And he, he referred this in John chapter 15. And to think about that, that relationship between a vine and the branches, there's something, when they're connected, what flows between that vine and the branch? Life. Life. It's a, it's a life transfer of, 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 of connection. And, and we're connected. And this is how he described the relationship that he wanted to have and God wants to have with his children. Another one that he used... In, in John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. And guess who are my sheep? We are. And that described for the people in the first century, that described a relationship of protection, of provision, and someone that's going to look out for me when I'm sleeping, when I'm resting. And then he's going to lead me to where? Green pastures so that I can eat and he's going to take care of me. And so for people in the first century, these word pictures really help them understand God wants a close relationship with me. He wants to connect. And that was completely absent. And all these descriptions, all these word pictures that Jesus would use are relational. It wasn't structure. It was relationship. And, and this was so far into people in that time. If you took the Romans, the Romans... They had uh, a form of looking at God who he wasn't, even, he wasn't even happy with himself, their God, their form of looking at God or gods. And then you had the Greeks, they had schizophrenic gods. They were happy one moment and they were angry and you didn't know what to think about who, who's who and what's what and they were completely confused. And then you had the Jews and their religious focus or their way of seeing God was, I've got to do all these things in order to win His approval. And so it became like a box and you had to fit everything into a box. And then and only then is He going to love me and approve of me. And that's not the picture that Jesus portrayed to people. That's not what He showed them. And, and so today, that's what we're going to look at is, is what was Jesus really extending? And, and the thing that Jesus did is he extended an invitation to people. And the invitation was this. It was a simple message of the gospel that God is inviting each one of us into a relationship with him. And if the message is not simple, and this is very important, if the message about Christianity to you is not simple, it's because someone like me, in a church setting, in a position like this, made it complicated. Jesus didn't come to make the message complicated. He made it simple. And so today, in starting this year, we've got we to simplify our walk with God. And if you're visiting here with us today, if that's your mindset, that you look at Christianity and you go, there's no way and it's too complicated and I'm too bad and I'm no good and there's no way that God is going to bring me in. There's no way that I can have access to this. 
then this message is for you today. This message is actually for all of us. It was, it was really great for me and, and my preparation for it because I realized, you know what men do a real good job of? Men and women, we complicate things. You wake up Monday morning and you got the whole week in front of you and we make it really, really complicated. So we hire people, coaches, counselors. You know, we hire people. We buy software. We buy apps to try to simplify our lives. And guess what that does? It makes it pretty complicated because then you got all this stuff to go along with trying to simplify your life. And, it, and see, Jesus is not about that. He wants to simplify our walk. Jesus came to make it simple. And He came to connect people. That was His whole purpose and focus was, I want to connect you with God. That's my objective. That's my goal. Not to kind of put you in a box and let's get you to behave and let's get you to do this and let's get you to do this and, and all these hoops. See, we're missing the point. If that's what we're thinking, we're missing the point. And so today's going to really help us. So we're going to look at, uh, 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 in the Bible, in, in Matthew. It's all about Matthew today. There's a gospel. It was written by Matthew. And Matthew's going to talk about, guess who? No, he's going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about Matthew. Okay, when you write a book about Matthew, you write about you. Okay, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look at this. It's not going to be up on your screen, so, but if you have a Bible, you can follow along just to make sure that that's what's up there, that it's really in the Bible. Okay, you've got to check it to make sure. We're going to look at this, and, and this is the interesting thing. Matthew wrote one of the most complete Gospels. And, and it's interesting who he was. And we read here in verse 9, it says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew. And he was sitting in a tax collector's booth. Now, we've got to stop right here because this is huge. Who was Matthew? He's a tax collector. Do you know what a tax collector was in the first century? Oh, my gosh, you have no idea. Somebody said bad guy. Okay? You, you have no idea of, of what, what, what we're talking about here as far as bad guy. Uh, if you are a bad person... This message is going to help you a lot. Okay? It really is. If you feel disconnected from God, okay, like, no way, he, he, he hates me, he's mad at me, this is for you. Okay? This is going to help you a ton. Tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst. They had a separate category. And you're going to see this in this verse. It says, you know, there were sinners, there were sinners, and then they were there were tax collectors. They had their own category. They were so bad. They were so despised. They were the extreme outcasts of society. People hated them. Everybody hated them. They, they, they were considered traitors because they sold, out for, they sold out to Rome. And they sold out for money. They were not permitted to enter the temple at all. Even if they brought money and offered a bribe. To get in the temple. No, even if you're Jewish and you're a tax collector, no, you're done. You're scum. You're, you're covered in goo. We don't, want, we don't want to be near you. We don't want to eat with you. No, you, you are, you're gone. And, and this is the interesting thing. You, you could be a prostitute. 
You, you could be a liar. You could be a, a violent man. You could be an adulterer. You could do all kinds of really, really bad things. A thief, you'd be in the sinner category. Okay? Tax collectors had their own category. And they were really, really bad people. That's who Matthew is. Doesn't that encourage you? He wrote a book in the Bible. They were the scum of society. You go down into the gutter, and the, and the, the, the scum, that's them. That's, that's how people envision them. And Matthew was bad to the bone. And then we look here in verse 9. First words out of Jesus' mouth. What does he say? He comes up to Matthew, and he says, Matthew. And he's sitting at his booth, and he says, Follow me. Now, you imagine all the disciples. He was one of the last ones to be called. All the other disciples are behind him. He said, what did you just say, Jesus? Ho, 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 time out. We need to have a meeting, Jesus. We need to have a meeting. Can you, can you come over here? We need to talk. Do you know who this guy is? What did you just say to him? I mean, we left everything to follow you. We thought this was going to be a religious thing. We thought we were going to be, you know, righteous people and stand for righteous in God and... Why, why are you asking him to follow? Because follow Jesus means what? He was going to join the, the posse. He was going to join their crew. And they didn't want Matthew to be a part of their crew. And they're like, no way. What did you say? And so I you know, imagine Jesus saying, hey, be quiet, guys. Or maybe in our vernacular today, hey, shut up. Focus on what I'm doing here. And this, this had a huge impact on the other disciples because now they were mixing. They knew they weren't the best guys, you know, the other, the other 11 or 12, the other 10 or 11. They knew they weren't the best, but now you're bringing this guy into the group? No, no, this is, this is very confusing. And Jesus reiterated, slide your chair back, Matthew, and let's go. I have a question for you. When you read on, Jesus asked him to do anything else. He didn't say, all right, next step, you got to change this, 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 and this. Then you can come and follow us. Did he say that? He said, exactly who you are and how you are right now, let's go. Come on. Come with me. Come with us. And Jesus, you know, Jesus could have buried him with guilt. I mean, he's the Son of God. He could have just—he could have written a list. Okay, here's what I got on you, Matthew. You, you're this, this, this. He could have just completely blown him away. Did he do that? And if he would have blown him away and had the list, he'd have been right. He'd have been absolutely right. Because. He had Matthew, he had everybody, he'd have us dead to rights. Is that what he did? See, understand this. Jesus did not come to be right. Jesus come, came so that people would follow him. He came to connect with people and to bring them close to him and then to God. This is how it always began. When he came to, to James and John, what did he do? Let's go. I'll change you. I'll make you into fishers of men. Peter and Andrew, what did he say to them? Let's go. 
All the people that he, he called, what did he tell them? Let's go. Come on. Follow me. Follow me. And this is how it always began, you know, with so many people. And no matter what you've done, and this is important for all of us today, no matter what you've done in your life up to this point, Matthew trumps you. Not only does Matthew trump you in the sense of how bad he was, there's probably somebody in this room that's much worse than you. In fact, I'm sure of it. Because just so, you know, we open the curtains, we're not good people in here. In fact, there are a lot of Matthews in this room. And I'd go as far as to say, you're listening to one. Former Matthew. Former scum. Far from God. Not feeling like I'm going to get there. And I'm, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people. And, and, and so this is, this is to encourage you. And Matthew, this is the amazing thing. Matthew's looking at the Son of God. He's looking at the Messiah and his group. And guess what he does? And doesn't ask any questions. Why did he get up? And why did he follow Jesus? Because he saw something. He saw a glimmer of hope. What does this tell you about Matthew? Was he happy with where he was at? But it's all he had. A lot of people stay where they are because it's all they know. And they don't think they can get out. They don't think they can, they can, they can get up until, until someone walks up to them and says, Hey, come on. Let's go. I'm offering you an opportunity to go to a different place. Where do you think they took them? You know, some of us think, well, they're going to take them behind the woodshed. And they're going to straighten his, you know, his hind end out. They're going to, they're going to fix him, right? They're going to get him into a small group, all 11 of them. And they're going to put him in the middle and they're going to go, okay, you betrayed Israel, you betrayed God, and you're this and you're that. Where did they take Matthew? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Now the disciples, if they weren't tripping then, now they're really, really, they're way out there now. They go to Matthew's house and they had dinner with him. Now this is huge for, for a Jew. This is huge. This is like disgusting. I don't want to do this. Please do not make me do this. You're going to this whose house? And we're going to eat with him. When you eat with somebody in the Jewish culture, you approve of them. And so if you don't approve of someone, guess what you do to let them know that you don't approve of them? You don't eat with them. I mean, that was a clear line. I do not approve of you, Megan. So you and I, we're not having lunch. Ron? No. That's what... But he's eating with them. So that meant... I approve of you. So for the disciples, man, this was, this was rough. It gets worse. In Luke's version, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 29, it talks about this wasn't just a dinner. This was a banquet. This was a banquet. This was a party. Guess what kind of party Matthew would have? 
Were they good parties? No, they probably weren't holy parties. There was probably alcohol. There was, there was some stuff going on. There was some, some music going on that probably wasn't approved, you know. PG-13, it was not. I mean, this was not a good environment that they were walking into. And the disciples are like, wait a second. He's supposed to follow us. We're not supposed to follow him. I mean, you're taking us to be follow him. Who's following who here? What is going on? And guess who's at the party? It says it right here in verse 10. And they're having dinner at Matthew's house. And guess who shows up to the party? Many tax collectors and sinners. Okay, now, now we're, we're really crossing the line, Jesus. Okay, not only are we bringing this guy with us, we're, we're just, we're, we're in here, we're mixing it up with the, the, the worst of the worst. You've got prostitutes in the house. You've got really, you got bad people, thieves, liars, cheaters, violent people, thugs, you know, the guy that collects money, you know, the big thugs that break people's arms. You pay me tomorrow or I'm going to break your leg. These kinds of people, you know, they were not good people and they're having dinner and they're partying and they're, they're having a, you know, a big time. And so, you know, what do you think they were, they were feeling at this time? And, you know, then they're eating with them, and guess who's guess who's outside looking through the window? It says here in verse eleven, when the tax, when the Pharisees, and whenever you hear this word, when the Pharisees, you think of, uh, you know, uh, the the police show Ironside or Hawaii Five O, dun 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 dun, they show up on the scene. You know, you think you think, okay, here's the Pharisees, dun 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 dun, and they show up. They're looking through the window, and what are they seeing? Jesus is partying. He's sitting next to a tax collector, and then in front of him is a tax collector, and then he's got sinners to his left, and he's in this environment, and his disciples are there with him. What kind of what kind of thing is going on here? This can't be of God. There is no way this is of God. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing this? How can this be of God? You're supposed to separate yourself from sinful people when you're with God. You, 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 you wash your hands when you shake a sinner's hand. You know, you don't go near them. And here's, here's something that maybe a lot of us don't realize the Pharisees and the, and, and, and the teachers of the law, they had an envy issue with Jesus. Because what they felt was they had worked so hard. If he's from God, he should like us. He should hang with us. In fact, the Pharisees in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, they invited Jesus over to their house. Why do you think they did that? Because they're trying to compete. They knew Jesus was from God because of his, his incredible power that he had to heal people and the message that came from his mouth. It, they, even Nicodemus said it in John chapter 3, we know you're from God. So they would invite him. So there was a competition for who could get Jesus, you know, the attention from Jesus. And this was their attitude. Do you realize how hard we have worked at being holy? Why don't you like us? You should like us, not them. 
You should be with us, not them. Why are you with them? That was their problem. They thought they should have been in the inner circle instead of these really, really bad people. And so they were terribly confused. What's this all about? And see, this leads us to understand God's heart over and over and over again. You're going to see this in the Gospel. In verse 12 it says, On hearing this, this is huge, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. And then he, he, they hated when he said this, but go learn what this means. They hated when he told them this. Go, they knew the Bible. Go study your Bible. Hey, I'm not even going to answer your question. Go study your Bible. And then he says, go learn what this means. I deserve mercy. I desire, sorry. I desire. It's always good to have your wife in the front row. I desire, I, de I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This is big. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Who's God after? Who's Jesus after? And here's basically a summary of what he's saying. I am here for people in their honest moments by themselves know that something is wrong. They may not lead out. They may not walk around, you know, yeah, I'm mess and I'm this. No, they, get, they look like they got it all together, just like Matthew, just like all these people. They walk around and they lack. But when they're alone, and they look at themselves and look inside their heart and their soul and they get away from the, super fat, the superficiality and the, and the distractions of life and they're just alone. They realize something's not right in my life. I remember that moment. I remember that moment clearly in my life. Just, just sitting there and going, man, I got everything. I got friends. I got good times. I'm in school. You know, life is like a platter for me and I, I can have whatever I want. But something's wrong. I feel empty. I feel a hole in my heart. What's this all about? My relationships aren't genuine. It's all flash. It's up and down. And this, this phrase that Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, comes from Hosea 6.6. 6. He says here, my priority is redemption. That's what I'm about. I'm, I'm more interested in rescuing people than I am in giving an approval of people. I want to rescue. I want to I redeem people. I want to help people. Another way of saying it, he says, I'm here for people who look in the mirror when no one else knows it and says, I'm sick. I'm sick. I got a problem with an addiction. I have a relationship problem. My marriage is in the tank. I'm not getting along with my kids. Things are just coming apart. 
and they sit down and they go, I'm sick and I need a doctor. But the doctor at the corner and the office and the physician, they can't help me. I've gone to counseling. They can't help me either. Who can help me? Who's going to help me find my way back? Who's going to fix what's wrong in here? My soul is mourning because I long for something else in this life besides good time after good time, weekend after weekend, vacation after vacation, you know, purchase after purchase after purchase. What else is there? As I was thinking when I was a young man, is this all about who can win and gain as much and then buy as much and have as much and then you die? Is that it? Is that all there is to this life? So this is Jesus came to help people who in their, in their, in their innermost being knew, I'm sick. I need help. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I know there are a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that are, that are sick. And then Jesus finishes the phrase. This is his mission statement. You know, a lot of companies, they have a mission statement, right? And they put it on their website. They put it on the front of the building sometimes. This is Jesus' mission statement. Look what he says. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And we mentioned this last week, but I want to remind us, if we are Jesus' church, who are we going to focus on? What's our mission statement? For the campus ministry, for the teen ministry, for the singles ministry, for the family life ministry. What's our mission statement? Should it be different? Should it be all about us? Or should we have the same heart as Jesus? And if you're visiting here with us today and you know where you stand and you, you understand I'm not a religious person and I don't know, and listen, Jesus is focused on you. Jesus is about helping people like you. Do you know how much that encouraged me? Do you know how much that invigorated me? Clearly, five kids in my family. Clearly, I was the black sheep, the youngest. I've done some terrible stuff. Worse than all my brothers and sisters. My, my closest brother, George, he was, you know, the next youngest He'd done some bad things, but I clearly finished in first place. And I just thought, man, my parents don't like me. I can't get along with them. And it meant the world to me that Jesus offered me hope. He gave me a second chance. He says, I, I, I didn't come for church people. I came for you. I came to help you. And, and this, wasn't, this wasn't just, you know, an invitation to church. This was an invitation for those who knew who they were and that they wanted to follow someone else because they were following something else. You know, all of us are following something or someone. The question is, are you following the right thing or the right person? And where are they leading you? 
you're following your friends, if you're following the SoCal dream, if you're following the desperate housewife vision or the, you know, the, the, the ones in Orange County and then you got the New Jersey ones and then you got this and that. And people are always, you know, they're always putting models for you to follow out there. Donald Trump and The Apprentice and, and then you got the athletic group and follow him and follow him and follow him and follow this and follow that. Who are you following? And what's the wake that you're leaving behind as you follow those things? What's it doing to your life? What's it doing to your relationships? And where are you going? See, that's what I had to stop and do. I had to ask myself, where am I going? Where's this going to lead me? Is this where I want to go? And so Jesus is inviting them into not a system, not an it, but he's inviting them into what? A relationship. That's why he told Matthew, come on, let's go. You, you hang with me. You hang with me and you'll get it. You'll understand the relationship that I have with my father. You'll understand how much he loves me and how much he loves you. And then look out. Your whole world is going to change. Your whole life is going to change. So Jesus is inviting us into this relationship. And as you get to know Jesus and get close to Him, you begin to do things differently. You begin to make changes. Because you realize, these things I've been doing, they don't help my relationship. Not only do they not help my relationship with God, they, they don't help my other relationships with people. In fact, they're making my life really, really complicated, all this stuff that I've been doing. And you choose, I don't want to do this anymore. Because it's not beneficial to me and my relationship with God and me and my relationship with other people. It's all about relationships. If you want to know what the gospel is all about, about what Jesus came here to teach us, it's about relationships, not about a system. Not about an institution and how you can get in and be a member. And some of us, you know, in our, in our walk, you know, this year so far, we may have gotten off track. We're trying to fix and compartmentalize our lives and we're trying to make these changes. And we're trying to live up to. And we missed the point. The point is, it's about a relationship. And until you have the relationship as your goal and your focus... It's going to continue to be very complicated. But where it gets simple is, hey God, hey Jesus, I just want to follow you. Can you teach me how to do this right? Can you show me? And the question here is, are you still following that religion thing? And, and, and people, people, I remember a couple of years after I gotten... Uh, converted and became a Christian, my, my friends came up to me and they asked me this question. Hey, hey, are you still going to church? you still doing that religious thing? I said, yeah. Oh, I, I thought that would have worn off by now. I thought you'd have gotten tired of that. See, because they thought it was an it. Like everything else we do in this life. A diet. Right? 
an exercise program. Those things are fads. This isn't about putting your life together. Oh, I'm going to start going to church now so I can get my life together. And then you change a little bit, and then what happens? If you don't get the relationship, yeah, it'll wear off. And for a lot of people, it wears off. And we get surprised. Man, I, I thought he was really into this. I thought, I thought he loved God. I thought, I thought he was connected. I thought, I thought this was something really important in his life. No, this was just another program. That's sad. And I hope today that everybody listening, even the people online, I hope everybody listening today can understand very, very clearly today, this is not about the program. This was never meant to be a phase and a fix-it in your life. Read the book, and then everything can change. If you follow this program, you're going to be great. Mm -mm. This is about you and God becoming father and son, father and daughter. And you walk through life together, growing, changing, learning how to love Him and how to love others and how to be a light like we were yesterday in our world. And then people look at you and they go, man, there's something different about you. What is it? Oh, well, I go to church and I follow this program. No, don't tell them that. Introduce them to who God is, who Jesus is. And a lot of people think this is and it instead of a relationship. In a relationship, you will change more, not so that God will love you more, but because He loves you so much now. He loves you now. Jesus loved Matthew right then. When Jesus looked at the rich man, what did He do? He looked at him and loved him. He loves you right now. And it's that love, it's that love that motivates you. Why would I want to keep doing this? Why would I want to keep living like this? I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to step up and live at a higher level because He loves me, because He's with me, because He cares about me. And at this time, it was all about following and, and one of the things I, you know, in this, in this lesson, I, I want to kind of confess, can I just share with you guys? The more I, I look at me, the more I look at, you know, I'm aware of what God has yet to do in my life that He's still planning and still working on in me, the less critical I'm going to be about you and what He's going to do in your life. See, what happens with people in, in church and in church environments is, is they, they think they've got it together. Okay? They're fixed. They're, they're good. They've they got it all together. And so guess what they do? They, they think they've been hired by God to go around and police everybody else. Okay? And then the finger comes out. And they start pointing the finger. You've got problems. And Tate, you got real big problems. You and I need to get together and we need to talk and I need to read with you things that I see in you that need to be fixed. 
Okay? Because you're not a good Christian. Can we do that? And some of us came from cultures like that. And we go, man, I, I don't know. I never, it was like I, I walked into a prison camp, you know, or something. It was weird. It was awkward. But see, in that environment, and we can all fall into it, all of us. And this is something that I recognize in the study. We've we got we to stop focusing on everybody else because we don't have it all together. I can tell you right now, I do not have it all together. Okay, I'm still in a work in progress. I'm still learning a lot about me and what I need to change and what I need to grow in. But the more I focus in on that, guess what I do? The less I'm concerned about it. You, Jeremiah. I got, hey, why do I need to focus on him? I got, I got so much stuff. Now, if I can help him be his brother, absolutely. But it's, it's one guy changing to another guy who's changing. And I'm never going to be, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, this, this holier-than-thou person and talk down to him. No, we're going to talk together. We're in this together to change our lives. And, and, and one of the things is we need to start following. We need to start following and stop evaluating. What I mean by evaluating is looking at everybody else. We need to focus on Jesus. How, how can I follow Jesus? And anytime you can help somebody, sure, but it's not with a, a judgmental spirit. And, and our job is, is to make people around us feel more like Jesus made them feel. How did Jesus make people around him feel? Loved. Except if you were one of the dun, 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 dun. He, he didn't make them feel very good. He did not make them feel very good. He actually made them feel very uncomfortable. Why? Because they were leading people astray. They were doing more harm than good. They were way off. They were going in this direction. It was all about them. It was all about a structure. It was all about a system. It wasn't about a relationship. That what was, was wrong with the Jewish culture of that time. And, and you and I have the opportunity to get this straight this year and for the rest of our lives. So in conclusion, it's not what you're doing, but who you are following that God is interested in. See, because if you're following the right person, meaning Jesus, meaning God, what you're doing is going to start changing. Those things that you're doing, they're going to start changing. You know why? It's about a relationship. Isn't it amazing the stories that you hear about people when they're in love? How they start changing. They start wearing their hair different. They start taking a, a bath regularly. Right? Maybe a little cologne here and there, a little perfume, and a little extra, little ding in the eye, you know? Brush their teeth. You know, the little things. Right? Kevin put on a tie this morning. That's pretty awesome. Okay? But in that relationship with God, the same thing happens. You see, I didn't care about what my friends thought anymore. Because this was about me and my dad. This was about me and God. And they would challenge me. They would say, hey, come on, we'll go with us. They'd say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the club. Let's, let's bounce in the club. And see, I knew I wouldn't like Jesus, okay? Let me just be honest with you. If I'd have gone to the club, I'd have, you know, 
But I said, no, I don't want to go to the club, guys. Because I know where that's going to lead me. He said, well, who do you think you are? You think you're better than us? I said, no, I'm not better than you guys. In fact, I'm worse than you guys. And the reason why I don't want to go is because my dad, I love him. I've let him down long enough. And I don't want to do it anymore. And this is the life that I want to live for him. And then he's going to take care of me. And he's going to lead me down the right path. Where's Jesus leading all of us? Where are we going anyway? He's leading us to that that great banquet in heaven. That's the banquet I want to be. I appreciate Matthew's banquet, but no. God's banquet's going to be awesome. Because there'll be genuine love. Not flash, not hurt, not abuse, not heirs. Genuine love. So, no hope for the religious people, right? They're done. No, there's a lot of hope. But the one thing that they need is they need to realize who they are. And the Apostle Paul, he was one of the dun, 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 dun. In fact, he went around and he arrested Christians. He put Christians in prison. He, in fact, stood there and gave his approval, gave his nod to the, to the, the stoning of Stephen one of the the leaders, early leaders of the the early church. And he sat there and watched them kill a guy that had a love for God, a sincere heart. In fact, the, the Bible describes that he had a face like of an angel, Stephen, before they killed him. He sat there and watched it. Look what he says. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. We're only going to read, this is only 15 Verse 15, uh, verse 15 through 17. Here's a trustworthy saying. But you can, you can write that, the whole 13 through 17. But this is verse 15 through 17. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, understand, he was a Pharisee. He was at the top of his class as far as structure and memorization of the Bible as far as never missing a prayer time, never doing anything wrong, giving tithes, doing everything by the book. He was at the top of his class. And then he realized, I'm a sinner. I'm the worst of sinners. See, because I had this and I missed it. I missed it. I thought this was about a system. I thought this was about structure. I thought this was about rules. And it was, it was all about me instead of all about God. I missed the point. And I had a relationship with myself instead of a relationship with God. And I prayed to Him all the time. So He felt really doubly bad. And for this reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display His unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. You know, for religious people, there's a lot of hope. 
But they got to understand something. Paul understood something. I'm sick. I've got a problem. I'm prideful. I'm self-righteous. I don't love people. I don't have compassion. This is all about me. I'm super, super conceited. And I'm way off. So on the road to Damascus, he sat and thought, I'm really, really sick. And he stopped eating and he stopped drinking. And he started crying out to God, help me get my life on track. And then he was, he was sent to a man. And in Damascus, he was, he, was, he was there and he sat with the man who told him, come follow me. Come follow Jesus. And his whole life changed. For Paul, it was all about a relationship from that point on. Him and God were like this. And there were very few men that worked as hard as Paul at spreading this message. He reached out to the, the scum of the earth. He made it, he made it his, his work, his effort. He says, I'm not going to go back to the Jews. I'm going to help the people that are really, really lost. He went to some of the most difficult mission fields for a Jew, a Jewish Christian. He went to most, some of the most disgusting places. He went to places like Corinth, a cesspool like Vegas for us, downtown, the strip of Vegas at midnight, three o'clock in the morning. That's Paul's mission field. He said, this is where I need to be. Because just as Jesus' mission statement was, I came to save the sinners and the lost people. That's my mission. That's what he did. So religious people, nobody's without hope. But you've got to understand one thing before you get there. We're all sick. Like we talked about yesterday at our event, when we were helping foster children. We're all foster children. No real dad. No real family. And we need God as our dad. So he can bring us home and be a part of a real family. So I'm going to leave you with one thing for this week. Your faith in action. I want to encourage you this week to get back on track. If you're visiting here with us, I want to encourage you to, to, to just pray. You know, take a baby step. Take a small step in the direction of Jesus. Push back your chair like Matthew. Stand up and say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what that means. I'm scared. But I want to follow somebody else. And if you've been in church for 45, 45 minutes or 45 years, the same applies. Who are you following? Let's all follow Jesus. And then everything's going to work its way out. And then we're going to truly understand the mission that all of us have in this life and the mission that Jesus had in this life. Let's pray for the, for the communion. Pray with me.